Thank you for tuning in to the podcast once more this week. If this is your first time here, then welcome. I'm glad to have you. Today, I want to talk to us about stewarding the presence of God in our lives. What do I mean by that? If we want more of God's presence, then we have to be willing to live a life that invites his presence. Does this mean perfection? No, rather consecration. Consecration, as it is used in the Bible, indicates an act by which a person or a thing is set apart to a sacred cause or purpose. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 in the Amplified Bible says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies and the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God wants our lives to be consecrated to him so that we can worship him freely by his Holy Spirit in us and enjoy his presence. But he also wants us to be consecrated so that we can be used as vessels of honor for his glory. In Joshua 3, the Israelites were getting ready to cross the Jordan River and in verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The Israelites were told to consecrate themselves because God was about to show his glory in their lives. So what did this glory look like? In verses 15 to 16, it says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. So the ark here is referring to the ark of the covenant. And in the Old Testament, this represented the presence of the Lord. And then verse 17 goes on to say the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So here we have the Israelites in front of this huge obstacle, the Jordan River, and they needed to cross it in order to get to the other side. The river was at flood stage, which meant that it was even more impossible for them to cross. But God in his glory showed up because of Israel's obedience to God, their willingness to consecrate themselves in order to facilitate the future glory of God, even though they didn't know what the glory was going to look like. Joshua just said, consecrate yourselves tomorrow for the Lord will do amazing things among you. They had no idea how God was going to show up or what he was going to do, but they went ahead and consecrated themselves and the Lord showed up in his glory. So we may have obstacles in our lives and we want to get to the other side of our Jordan River. But God may be waiting on us to consecrate ourselves to put aside those things that reject his presence so that we can facilitate the glory he wants to show us. Those things could be thought patterns, addictions, certain behaviors, bad habits of the heart like envy, jealousy, and pride. When we invite God into the areas of our lives that we don't believe are pleasing to him, then he will purify us and make those areas new so that his presence can dwell in our lives. In Second Chronicles 7 verse 14, God says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So consecration is definitely an important factor in storing God's presence in our lives. Sometimes we also don't make room for God's presence because we can be crowded by the cares of this life and the many noises that are around us. A song by Jonathan McReynolds, known as Make Room, says, I find space for what I treasure. I make time for what I want. I choose my priorities and Jesus, you're my number one. 
so I will make room for you. I will prepare for two, so you don't feel that you can't live here. Please live in me. You know, at times we may want God to speak to us or to reveal himself to us, but we haven't prepared a table for two. We haven't created that space in our hearts and in our minds to commune with the lover of our souls. To do that, we have to go back to that posture of surrender to say, God, more than anything else, I want you and your presence. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20 says, Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. We have been purchased by God. He paid for our sins by allowing his son Jesus Christ to be crucified on the cross. It is his blood that has freed us from the judgment of our sins. And if we are purchased, then we are his possession, no longer living for ourselves, but living for his glory and his kingdom. So every day, we have to make that conscious decision that we are going to die to ourselves, our fleshly sinful nature that we may follow after God. In Philippians 3 verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. To experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to a greater measure in our lives, we have to allow some things to die. In order for there to be resurrection, there also has to be death. From death, new life springs forth. To follow after God in freedom and joy and purpose, we have to allow him to show us the things in our lives that need to die so that resurrection power can be bestowed upon us. In Matthew 16 verse 24, Jesus says, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So if we want to honor God in our lives and follow in the ways of Jesus, then we have to practice resisting our fleshly nature so that we can live by his Holy Spirit, thereby pleasing him with our lives. Galatians 5 verse 16 to 17 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. How do we know the difference? Well, look at the fruit. Verses 19 to 21 goes on to say, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So God lets us know clearly what the acts of the flesh looks like. On the contrary, verses 22 to 24 tells us what the, um, what the fruit of the Spirit is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. As Christians, we're no longer under the law, but we're under God's grace. Galatians 5 verse 18 says, But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then verse 25 goes on to say, Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Some practical ways we can think of this. You may be scrolling across someone's page when using social media and a feeling of jealousy or envy rises up. In that moment, you can whisper a little prayer in your heart for that person. Lord, I thank you for blessing them. May you continue to prosper them. Amen. You would be surprised how quickly the posture of your heart changes and you can sense the Lord's delight in your choice. 
Remember that someone else's win does not make you lose. Because as a child of God, his word says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights, and you have access to that Father. Invite God into your temptations and your struggles. I used to have a problem with overeating, and so what I would do is I would say, Lord, thank you for this food. Please bless it and help me not to overeat because you know I struggle with this. God is not looking for you to get your act together and figure out how to please him on your own. Definitely not. We're not perfect. What he wants is a sincere heart, a fully surrendered heart before him, laying out all its secrets and inviting him into every broken place. We tend to look at our broken places and try to fix them ourselves. So, okay, maybe if I put a patch here and if I cover this over here and maybe if I just shift this over a little bit here, then I'll be okay and God won't notice. But he knows what you're struggling with. He knows everything. He's not in heaven looking down and condemning you though. But he's saying, hey, I noticed you've been struggling with this thing over here. Mind if I come in and show you how to overcome it? God is a perfect father and he doesn't want religion from you. He wants relationship. Remember, Jesus Christ is our righteousness. And so if we don't submit to him those things or areas of our lives that we are wrestling with from time to time, then they will remain broken in the dark We're going to be struggling with shame and condemnation and we will ultimately limit ourselves from becoming all who God has created us to become because we're remaining bound to the things that we are are not able to fix on our own. In a previous episode, I had mentioned the release of a devotional that a good friend of mine wrote on overcoming the cycles of sexual addictions and in the devotional, he shared his heart on how he brought those addictions to God and how God showed him the path to freedom. That's the God you serve. That's the father you have. That's the friend you have in Jesus. Let's also look at David in the Bible. David had committed adultery by sleeping with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. But David is also considered by God in the Bible to be a man after God's own heart. And I was thinking, how could God say this about David even after he did such such an act? I think it's because David had an open and honest relationship with God. If you read the book of Psalms, this man was honest all the way through. If he was rejoicing, he rejoiced in the presence of the Lord. If he was angry about something, he did the same thing. He would put that in the presence of God. It was just completely just honest and open. And in Psalm 51, this is when he committed adultery. He laments of his sin to God. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Verses 1 to 4. So after David committed adultery, what did he do? He went straight to the throne room and brought his mistake to God. What would our lives look like if we laid everything bare before the Lord, inviting him into the things that we want no one else to touch? You may say, well, Shelby, won't he think less of me? Won't he love me less? But here's the thing. He loved you enough to let his son die for you 2,000 years ago. He knew in advance everything you were going to struggle with, which is exactly why he sent Jesus Christ to earth. He is our righteousness, and if we bring our broken pieces to him, he's more than willing to make us whole. Hebrews 4 verse 14 to 16 says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do. 
yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus faced the same testings we do, but he did not sin. God can help us to overcome just like Jesus did. I hope today's encouragement will help you to pursue a more honest and open relationship with God so that you can experience him as a father and as a friend and so that you can walk in greater freedom and just power in your relationship with God.